Tell Your Story, an oral history series for the Community of Northridge Presbyterian Church podcast. I am Savannah Shivers, the pastoral resident here, and I will be your podcast host. This podcast focuses on nine oral histories or life stories of the members of Northridge that centers on one topic, speaking on faith journeys, specifically how faith journeys relate to God's work and members' past and present major life experiences. Everyone's faith journey is different because we are all unique. Some people have steady faith journeys where they always feel close to God, and some people have peaks and valleys in their faith journeys where they sometimes feel close to God and sometimes they do not. There is no right or wrong faith journey. There are just faith journeys. So, over the course of this podcast, we will hear nine different faith stories from nine different individuals. These individuals represent the rich diversity of Northridge members in terms of age, experience, and different identities. I believe that sharing one's faith story serves as a way to connect and get to know each other better and more deeply. It is also a way to help build community by getting to know people and their life stories. After all, the church is a community of unique and diverse people that comes together in fellowship to worship God. We are the church together, so let us learn about each other's life stories. Let's get started. On this next episode of the podcast, we're here with Andrew Brownfield. Andrew, thank you for being here. Absolutely. So Andrew, I have a question for you. I'm wondering if you can think of an important time or event that taught you something about your connection to God or the church. So when, like right before Natalia and I got engaged, like her mom and her grandmother died, like within kind of days of each other. And so I think that was like a pretty seminal event for her, but I was, you know, along the entire kind of experience, like when her mom was in the hospital and her grandmother got hospitalized as well. And then when they both died. And so I think that was the time that she did, but I also thought about my relationship with God and my faith. But I think like, there's not necessarily like one moment or like something that like stands out in my experience that is like transformative or particularly instructive or insightful about like my faith like I think I've kind of continually tried to process and evaluate my belief structure and and like my overall kind of faith or doubt along the way so but I think that when Ty's mom and grandmother passed away and it sort of changed like the entire trajectory of her life and impacted like what was going to be our life together that really sort of made me think about like what were sort of foundational tenets of what I believed in, what life meant to me, and like how I wanted to kind of lead my life, and what our relationship would be like, and what sort of beliefs we had to share together. 
not expecting you to have a list, but I'm wondering if we could speak about one of the foundational tenants that maybe y'all talked about or like that came from this experience that y'all are exploring. I think it's like evolved and like, I think we have different aspects of like faith and like our, our kind of approach and point of view on religion is somewhat different. I think like for me, attending church is like a, a way in which you can kind of continually revisit and evaluate your own kind of moral framework and Christianity I don't necessarily view as orthodox oriented as a lot of people and I think I, I try to frame church and Christianity and my faith as more of a way in which I'm trying to evaluate my moral framework the way in which you have to try to operate in the world and I take Jesus's teachings as instructive and how you try to live a life that is oriented on love and respect and caring for people. And so I would say that Natalia is probably more faithful than I am. And I sort of approach church as more of a way in which I continue to question and evaluate like how to live your life. And so thinking about that, then as Christianity as like a framework to orient your life and to care and love for people, I wonder what you would say faith means to you. I think like the most important aspect of Jesus's teachings and Christianity is love as being the foundational aspect of things. Yeah, it's like the, the tried and true faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these love. And so, like, I would say that my faith is actually more about interrelation with other people. So, like, I go back to the idea of, like, my biggest struggles are the the idea that, you know, salvation is, is through faith alone and certain aspects of Christianity that have this, like, sort of unilateral path. The parts that I think are most redeeming and most valuable and most important are the aspects that really instruct people on how to approach other humans and the world around them in a way that is caring and respectful, understanding, compassionate, caring. And I think that those pieces and lots of the way that Christianity is applied and executed and taught are lost. But I think those aspects of what some people would call the faith are, are what are most important to me. If you suddenly woke up and had to teach a Christian education class, what other aspects would you want the class to focus on? I tend to also view religion faith through a sort of contextual historical lens. So we were talking about this before we came today of like, with James and with Edward of like, you have you have to consider the environment, the context, the situation, the, the sort of aspects of where and when and how these stories were written or passed down. And, you know, there's, again, there's people who believe that there's, you know, a divine aspect to the writing of these um, books, but I fundamentally disagree with that. And I believe 
that there's a lot of human intervention that went into even what gets constituted in what's included. And so that doesn't eliminate the value of some of the lessons that are included. So if I were to have to make up and teach a Christian education class, I would focus in on both the sort of human-oriented aspects of it and sort of less so on dogmatic aspects of it and then trying to contextualize the lessons and the stories and where they came from and, and sort of why they would have presented points of view a certain way. It's kind of like when you read about like the Coptic Gospels versus what, like John, very distinct point of view. John has like a different sort of desired outcome. And so the stories and the timelines of even the narrative life of Jesus are very much tailored and oriented towards the message that's trying to be conveyed by the author. It doesn't mean that the, the messages within that are necessarily invalid or not of not or not useful or meaningful, but it's just you have to contextualize what the purpose is. And written at a different time, right? I mean written for for purposes that were tailored to like the audiences that they were trying to address, which were not necessarily perfectly aligned with the audiences of today. Keeping all of that in mind, I'm wondering how your own identities, experiences have shaped your faith. Like I grew up sort of being a regular churchgoer and, you know, going to like church camps and things. So I was pretty steeped in the sort of church. But I think even, you know, all through growing up, there was like this attempt to kind of reconcile some of what was taught with, you know, what was what I was experiencing and what life was like and, yeah. and how to kind of come to some sort of reconciliation. Some way in which you could try to separate out some of the aspects of what you might have learned or been taught through the Christian faith versus what you would think would be actually practical or meaningful. And so I think that over time, like I've been able to try to sort of separate those out and like I said earlier, like focus on what I think is like the actual like substance and value of like Christian faith and teaching. So I think there's other aspects of like, I, like I grew up in El Paso, like I have a very different experience growing up on the border is like a different environment. Having grown up and been able to kind of experience things differently also give me a different appreciation for different people's experiences, different backgrounds and trying to be able to understand that not everybody experiences things the same way. Not, not everybody has the same sort of point of view. And that being sort of important to try to respect other people's points of view. And that's also one of the challenges of Christianity. Like, I call it the Gandhi problem, right? And so part of the challenge with Christianity is being able to solve some of those challenges. But anyway, that's a very long-winded way of sort of coming back to you know, my experiences, shaping like some of my doubts, and, and also trying to using my experiences to try to find some path through that. Growing up on the border, how maybe your beliefs have changed since moving away from the border? I've always been sort of somewhat of a, of a questioner, and I just sort of having gone to church through growing up, I sort of questioned through that and just continued to sort of participate as 
part of that evolution as I was growing up and facing challenges and trying to figure things out and my way through. And then interestingly, in college, I did the same thing, like, you know, where most people understandably take that time where they're not going to church. I still ended up attending church, still try to go on weekends and on, or on Sunday and still sort of use that as an avenue for reevaluating kind of my moral framework again and like using it as an opportunity to kind of think about what I consider to be important and how I approached other people and, and conducted myself. And so I think in that regard, my views and my point of view and my experience and everything have led to me sort of changing my point of view and my perspective. But in that regard, I guess I've generally also used going to church as a way to continually bring myself back to those types of questions, which has been, I guess, somewhat helpful. Do you question the same things? Have your questions changed over the years? Yeah, I think they, they've evolved somewhat. And as I like continue to get more experience and exposure and meeting new people going through different types of experiences, those like questions or doubts have sort of modified over time. The fundamental questions are like are relatively prevalent, right? Which do you actually believe I, I think the biggest challenging question is do you believe that Jesus is the only path to salvation? And I think that's the biggest challenging question. Is that the only path to salvation? It gets back to kind of the Gandhi question. And I'm not, you know, theologically trained enough to have like a super deep conversation about that, but that's sort of fundamental. And then, you know, the other like questions that actually my kids sometimes bring up, which is like, do you believe that there's actually the resurrection? Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah? Like, I, it's easy to just believe that a person named Jesus may have existed, but, you know, the whole uh, messianic aspect of it is a big question. Which, again, like most people would say, well, then that sort of fundamentally doesn't make you a Christian. But I think that's just part of, like, the, the doubt that sort of always sat in the background. And then the other aspects of this are, like, evolving to, like, a point of view on the Bible. Like, you know, when you're young and as you're going through, you're trying to sort of hear these stories and, and understand them. And early, you might think of them as more literal. And then over time, especially as you are more educated and you learn from a historical perspective, you start to recognize the sort of insane, some of them. And then you have to sort of say, well, what, what, what is my general point of view on them? And that, so those are some of the doubts that I've continued to kind of progress through and continue to deal with today. And I've gotten to some level of like reconciliation for myself on that. But yeah, those are kind of the ongoing or aspects of doubt. How would you define evangelism? Yeah, I mean, and even like if you strip it way back to like the Great Commission, foundational aspect of evangelism, there is this question of is the idea of proselytizing and like trying to convince people into the faith something that I necessarily even feel strongly about or feel positively about. I tend to be much more passive in that sense and think, and because I believe that there's other religions out there and religion is broadly trying to find a level of truth, purpose in life, like, you know, philosophy. And so like you, the Great Commission is somewhat challenging. But I think of evangelism as 
trying to bring people into the faith. And it's all, in some ways, it's become a bit of a four-letter word. But I even struggle with whether or not evangelism is the right path, which would also, like, lots of people would eviscerate me for that. Going back to the your earlier point of where your focus on Christianity is living a life of love and, like, by example, through that, did you learn anything new about yourself? I mean, I think one thing that has been interesting, having gone through the pandemic and, like, in the sort of environment and moments that we're in now, it's very easy to be nihilistic. Of course, with children, like, you know, that's really not an option, which is kind of a good thing. But that there is, like, a lot of challenges with looking forward and being able to be innately positive and hopeful about it. There's definitely been challenges of, of being able to fully get around always to sort of having a belief and a hope that things will get better or having a belief and a hope in people, which I think is also fundamental to a level of Christianity or, or religion in general. Like a big part of it is like whether or not and how you approach others. And so I've really tried to put in a lot of work to be more hopeful and try to to be more positive and and look at the good that's possible as opposed to focusing on all the issues and challenges it doesn't mean that i don't read about you know what's going on i don't keep up with things right. but trying to separate that from like what could make me sort of more sort of downtrodden and in spite of all the issues and challenges and potential problems that we have or real problems that we already have still being able to have hope and want to invest in making a difference but just believing that things could get better which is easier said than done the trying to focus on what i can control and what i can influence and again it doesn't mean that you don't like pay attention to you know things that are outside of your control but trying right. to focus on that and recognizing that that's all you really can do. And then trying to be an agent for positive feelings and positive points of view uh, without it being sort of also irrational. So, and that doesn't like mean that you put your head in the sand, you put blinders on, mean that you try to ignore or pretend that there aren't things out there. It actually is like the opposite. You continue to recognize and understand and seek out knowledge of other people's experiences and points of view and perspective, but you don't get paralyzed by nihilism or by the belief that things are so bad that yeah. you they may not ever get better. And you try to focus on, on being educated about the world and what's going mm -hmm. on, but then you try to focus your energy on maintaining a level of hope and positivity and then action, action in ways that you can actually make a difference and in ways that you can kind of control. It's easier said than done. So I'm wondering how your experience with faith and like how you approach faith affects how your family's faith and also how you are a parent and a support for James and Edward and their Christian faith. I mean, that is like a really probably perfect example because... They're very different in their points of view and how they, and of course, they're seven and five. But James is much more science focused and very uh, much believer in kind of a scientific point of view, even at this age, that the, the universe was created by scientific reactions or 
physics, even at this age, versus like God being central to that. And so I don't really dispute that, really. It's trying to, but at the same time, he'll sometime, he basically believes that that's the truth and that's the end of the road. So it's this trying to support that point of view and contextualize religion, which is not always the easiest at seven, and while also reinforcing that your point of view is not the only point of view. You don't have to agree with other people's faith or, or perspective on religion, but you should respect that other people have different points of view. And that that's not a factual discussion. It's a, it's a perspective. It doesn't mean that's not necessarily... That doesn't invalidate science, and science is not exact. Is not a debate, really. I mean that the scientific underpinnings of teachings about the formation of the universe, or evolution, or the dinosaurs, or the yeah. Earth, is subject to debate. But that doesn't obviate that religion is important to a lot of people, and that's a part of the human experience. And that other people's experience with that will not be his. At this point, is that is completely contrasted with Edward, who is much more keen on the community and the experience and the faithfulness. And so it's trying to be able to give a level of consistency, but also understanding that those points of view are, are very different. And it's this balance, but trying to basically be very open about it. As if like not approaching as like, this is what you should believe. Like it's, we very much approach it quite the opposite, which think of this as instructive and and I think what we've talked about is there's not a lot of places in society where you're sort of required and elite to have moral discussions and, and really think about what about right and wrong in a foundational sense. And so whether or not either of them chooses to, to practice Christianity is not really of any consequence to me. But what is important is them being moral individuals and having a foundation of morality and ethics and a way in which that they can think about that and have different points of view brought to them and different perspectives brought, that that's part of life. And they learn that even if you don't agree, you can respect. Again, easier said than done. say is uh, you know it's been nice to find Northridge because there's not a lot of churches that are more kind of cerebral and contemplative in terms of their faith and have an openness and a willingness to kind of really respect and engage with different points of view think about things deeply in addition and not be as focused on bias and dogma and yep. I think that that's been a refreshing aspect of Northridge is that, you know, it, like many things in society, it's a, an East Dallas church in the middle of Lakewood. But within that, there are different points of view, different backgrounds, different experiences. There's a focus on being accepting, being respectful, being deeply about faith and religion and, and how that also is then carried out into the world. That's very, been very refreshing for all of us. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, thank you, Savannah.